Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. I'm Sue Rose Minahan and the founder of Talk Cosmos. We have insightful conversations to awaken soul growth and consciousness. And today is June 4th. Pardon me if I'm thinking a little bit stranger about time because our subject today is really about time in, in a sense because it's retrograde. P- Pluto, the dwarf planet at the furthest edge well, one could say on the borderline between the planets with Neptune on one side and the Plutinos on the other, the dwarf planets, and great dark outer space is in apparent retrograde. And this happens routinely. Every planet, because of its cycle, going around the Earth. Well, not around the earth. Thank you. I'm not back in Prius. Oh, pardon me. Not in the Hellenistic times, but around the sun, heliocentric, have this pattern. However, when the planets ingress or transit or enter, you could say, astrologically into a new sign, it has true emphasis and it is now moving between an have have left an earth sign going into Aquarius, which we have experienced and we will talk about today with this great panel for Planet Buzz, but we're now returning to Capricorn. So our subject is reflective purification and let's get with it. Here we are. We are ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, the founder of Talk Cosmos, an electric evolutionary astrologer, consultant, certified color energy life coach, vice president of the Washington State Astrological Association, member of Kepler Astrology Toastmaster Club, of a Dwarf Planet University diploma and AA with music degree. I love mythology, philosophizing, collaboration. I'm an artist, writer, a perpetual student of life. And I'm Dr. Laura Tutt. I work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with students and clients around the world. As a counselor, writer, and educator, I love helping people recognize their inner strength, take advantage of auspicious moments, and navigate times of challenge with greater ease. On my own podcast, Mythic Sky Storytime, I discuss astrology, mythology, and actualizing our full potential. Holding a PhD in human science, my doctoral thesis titled Guided by Celestial Light in a World of Artificial Illumination explores the lived experience of contemporary Western astrologers. In addition to my astrological work, I have a course in personal mythology that explores the stories we carry from our ancestors and the impact those narratives have on our lives. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, As below, so above. As above, so below. Thank you. And we have two guests. We always have a guest, and today we have two guests. And if I might have the slot up. 
Very good. We have Wendy Stacy, Principal of International Mayo School of Astrology and Chair of the Astrological Association. For those people that are YouTube, you can read this. And for those podcast people, we'll explain. Wendy is visiting us from England in London and where these schools are located. And she tutors also for the master's program in cultural astronomy and astrology for the University of Wales with Bernadette Brady. And Wendy's an author of several books and articles consulting with astrology, Uranus Square Pluto, and about to be published. I don't know if they have been yet, Wendy. COVID, <laughs> not yet. Yeah, time is the perfect time she'll be. Uh, yeah, COVID-19 through microscopic lens of astrology and unaspected planets. And in 2014, Wendy received the prestigious Charles Harvey Award for Exceptional Service to Astrology. And on Thursday night, every two weeks, she has a free webinar. And there is a link, and it's through mayoastrology.com slash astrology slash uh, 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 dash, yeah, hyphen, uh, webinars. Or otherwise, just email her, and you can find everything, of course, through Talk Cosmos, because you're one of our guests so gladly so thank you so glad to have you again thank and, you yeah and we will continue then with our fourth uh panelist daniel beck and he's a former practicing astrologer who now devotes time to exploring the theory and philosophy of astrology helping other astrologers along their journey with guidance and mentorship always a valuable aspect. Yeah. And his site is innermakeup.net. Dan, yes, go ahead. You were going no, to and say. I should say it, it, it kind of just happened this last night. But along with that theme of, you know, I stopped consulting or doing being a consulting astrologer last year, although I do still see old clients. But actually, today I'm announcing rebranding uh -huh. myself and it's called offline astrology. <laughs> so oh, because, because you know I'm kind of you know apparently I'm a Luddite so that's you know it's really it's sort of toning it down for me I'm, I'm doing some other things that um involved with an organization just to give a little plug it's called Beyond Literacy so I help people you know with their literacy skills um you know doing some volunteering work um and doing some singing so that's that's you want to up to now yeah okay <laughs> so. well that's very appropriate isn't it yeah. because we're really remaking in so many ways and just to sure. add to all this that you uh dan is an author in uh and you also had your own podcast for a while called star love where you interviewed people or astrologers yes, wow. yes. so yeah. thank you okay well then in <laughs> that case we four will get together Hello and thank you. And Wendy, this was inspired. We had in May a conversation about, well, was it May or was it March? It was March. It was, March. It was right after yeah. I got back from Nicaragua. So That's right. Because as we know, Pluto ingressed Aquarius. Mm. The buzz for everybody. It's been it's buzzing us, right? AI. <laughs> it is. Well, you know. It is. And it's going to continue to buzz, I think, for, yeah. You know, I have to say though, this is very interesting. I was surprised about Did I this. Freeze? Um, but <laughs> what'd you do? You froze? You froze? Are you there, Wendy? 
you're fine with us. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Do you know what happened um, when Pluto entered into Aquarius in 1777? Do you know what what happened? It was the. Uh, go, go ahead, please. Just lean there on. was a play <laughs> that premiered called Storm und Drang, which means storm and stress, and this was. Um, one of the major works that challenged rationalism, enlightenment thinking, and privileged the subjective, mm. the expressive, the romantic. So I was actually quite, in a way, surprised to see this, especially given everything that's happening with AI. But I, I think that's part of what, it's actually quite surprising to me, but it kind of makes sense when you think of Pluto challenging things. And there, you know, we could talk about the meaning of Pluto, but challenging Aquarius <laughs> and then and then that was like and then you think about it the late 18th century moves into romanticism yes the arts really I don't reflect. know <laughs> we have to reflect the arts yeah. that's how we emote our our feelings in in a new language that isn't always understood Wendy can you hear us again are you are we frozen yep. okay, okay good so, Nathan can we and thank you for that Dan very good we have here Pluto, these are, I will be very honest with our audience, it's a huge subject. We have four mm -hmm. different concepts, which I invited to, to experience. I don't have an outline necessarily, except that we are looking, as I had said, past to go forward. And so that's a huge idea. But what is Pluto? Maybe we should ground ourselves a little bit mm. and remind everybody we do have a podcast audience besides our YouTube, which of course, I love YouTube. We can see each other and we can talk. <laughs> that's what makes these larger panels possible. But Pluto is a dwarf planet. Doesn't mean anything negative. It has very transformative powers. It's past Neptune. So if anybody wants to comment, go ahead. Otherwise, I'll kind of roll along. Dan, did you have a thought? Oh, come on. what are you supposed to say about Pluto? <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, I yeah, I think, um, you know, many people know of Pluto as having the power to implode things, to transform things, um, to deconstruct things. Um, Rob Hand, I love the word that he uses, irresistible. There's a mm. magnetism to Pluto. Um, it can really signify things that are happening behind the scenes in such a way that it's the power brokers. It's the, the exclusive. Charles Luntz, who was in St. Louis, but I think he was, he was British astrologer. Do you know him, Wendy? Charles Luntz? Remember him? I don't know. Uh not really. No, okay. Not, um, but he no, uses, okay, he uses the word the exclusive. So, you know, I, I would say this, you know, magnetism around that which is very powerful. You know, I think the Latin word potestas. I mean, this is, well, it, if, yeah. Yes. And I might add that since I'm studying vibrational astrology, mm. which David Cochran created and mm -hmm. his Linda Barry, together they worked and I'm her, her student, but their research shows that Pluto by itself, anything it touches is both compulsive and obsessive. So you might say that's yeah. magnetic. Yeah, it is because it's just going to get rid, you know, right. Well, well that's where just one last thing. I'm so sorry, but you know, if we, because for people, when we got the image of Pluto, it has the, for me, it has the, and some people noted this, it has the broken heart. 
Yes, so right this, there. The the inability to let things go to let it things cares. go and obsess it cares over the yeah, obsess and the right. the, the, the dejected and even the idea of Pluto becoming a dwarf planet, uh, you know, being labeled as such as symbolic in and of itself. So, Although I have to say, and I know Laura wants to yeah. say something, Dr. Ted, but I personally am, I'm not a Scorpio, so of course <laughs> it's, it's easier to let go of this. But personally, I think it just offered Pluto much more power. Now he has a whole... Pluto has a whole tribe of energies out there that have all these dynamics. It, it's just not, it's like going from the micro to down, macro to the micro, incrementally power. I think Wendy's got something. Laura, what did you well, want to say? I mean, I guess I tend to always push back to Pluto being called the dwarf planet. I take real issue with it, actually. Hmm. Um, because We're I controversy. think... I think it has everything to do with our culture's inability to have a healthy relationship with death and transformation. And we're wanting to shrink it and make it less by labeling it that it's an unconscious attempt to minimize that. And it's such a huge hmm. archetype. I mean, I have it square my son natally. It's a huge part of my identity. Oh, and it's a huge archetype that we're all dealing with and, and contemporary Western society has such a toxic relationship with transformation and death that I think the late, the shrinking of Pluto's label, that dwarf labeling is, has been this unconscious attempt to try and say like, oh, it doesn't have that kind of impact that it does and trying to hide it away where all evidence is to the contrary. Well, All I appreciate that it's hugely I, impactful. I appreciate this because a we are in the moment of Gemini, so this is where ideas and words and labeling and communication, and we're entering a whole world, really empowering this. Although we're going back, meaning our structure and ideas are so limited, and that is part of the Capricorn concept that's necessary to find a form it, it has its limits but what i'm getting at is is that one reason i brought in cosmos that excited me was to get past these cliches of thought and what you're bringing up is exactly that that being dwarf is 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 lesser than it's our connotation and of course language is connotation but yet i think to get i think of seven Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, they were magical. <laughs> what about The Hobbit? I like that little. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yes. Wendy, did you have something? Oh, no, I was going to say with the demotion of Pluto, I mean, mm. you know, that occurred with the, um, when Pluto was at, uh, I think it was 27 Sagittarius, mm. um, which was a galactic center. Mm. So, you know, oh and God. and I agree, I agree with Laura in that, yeah, it's, we struggle with our relationship with all Plutonic things and, I think the interesting thing, going back to that cycle in 2020 with Saturn Pluto conjoined in Capricorn, is uh, a reminder to us of, you know, everyone in the world thought of death. Whether it was, you know, whether people, whatever their views on COVID or vaccinations or whatever, everyone had to think of death. And I think it's been a long time um, that we're, everyone has had to do that. So, you know, and when we do that, we start questioning our beliefs and mm. heaven and hell and reincarnation and things like that. And we have to, we're forced to address our own mortality or, the, or those around us or, or deny it, you know, as Pluto mm. 
often does. So, you know, we're, we're now entering a new phase with, with it going back and forth, Capricorn Aquarius, until November next year. And thank you, Laura, because I think this enters between both the whole conversation showing what do we, where's the limitations? Because that was really the idea. Looking back to Capricorn to get some sage advice. That was this purification of, you know, reflective purification. So thank you. Not to deny, just anyway. So looking at the cycles, because it is, 246 years, I believe, between Capricorn cycles, although, and and they last in Capricorn for about 16 years. So the current one started in 2008, in January, and ended, will finally leave any transit next year, because it does, for a couple of months, late in 2024, it will be in it. But the one prior was, as Dan was bringing up with that play, that it was during the revolution and it was during the, in England, the beginning of the industrial revolution and also later with the French revolution. So, you know, it's huge. And then before that, it was in the 1500s, which had a lot to do about trade and world exploration and the reformation. I mean, big changes of our consciousness. And I was thinking too, it's not just consciousness. It's a, as we know, it's like branching out a little bit, not taking one person's leadership, but having a network. And before that, Marco Polo in 1269 to 1287 with rats, pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't quite see it, but Kublai, um, Kublai Khan. And also in Denmark, the king accepted limitation of power and was subjugated to the parliament, which of course we now all under, you know, which Britain has. Well, which may, which may transport to the UK if, if, you know, you've, um, if I can just pop in here. So, you yes. know, I mean, my own theory is that, you know, the, if, if anyone wanted to elect someone, at the moment, you know, there's not one government on the planet that has any young people, younger generations have faith in. But actually, the unelected um, king, you know, king of England, or king of Britain, I should say, um, unelected, you know, there's no place for royalty with Pluto and Aquarius. It's the opposite sign. There's no place. It must go. However, however, you have a king that stands for everything young people are fighting for climate change, changes in capitalism, reform of government. It's almost mm -hmm. ironic, you know. But to go back to those cycles, you know, this was the start of capitalism as we know it. The spinning jenny was invented, which created manufacturing and industry at unprecedented levels. So this is the end of that cycle. So we need a new economics reform. And with that political, I think, you know, my own view of how that can be played out. Yeah. It is fascinating how really England were in tandem, you know, as a leading nation, really. Britain still with a commonwealth and the, the, the structure of the world is going through all these dynamics at this point. Yeah. Wendy, sorry to, but weren't you saying at one point there was a pope who was trying to integrate many different types of philosophies, 
um, King Alfonso the yes, Ten. and you, this was coinciding with some of these transits, King of right? Castile, King of yes. Castile. Yeah, and that was a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction mm. in Aquarius. But, of course, Pluto was hitting that same degree. Right. Um, well, that was three degrees back then. But it's, it, it follows the same thing, I think. But, you know, people are going to be wanting to be more... Uh, yes, democratic, De and decentralized power. Yeah, knows how to good knows how to network, and it, it really, in some ways, this leads back to, I think, with with Capricorn, there are different ways of managing that centralized power to branch and and be responsive to the network. So maybe maybe we'll get some help there. I mean, I'm being, I'm, I'm keeping the door open here on that thread, <laughs> seeing as we can pull it through. So, four facts. I think we went through this, did we? And part, I hope um, you don't hear my husband. Can you hear him? No. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Usually he's not here. Did we go through this or shall I? Um, I mean, so this is just the more recent. This is yes. this century or this right yes of okay. pluto as opposed and, to well we were focusing on previous centuries so this is more uh, those dates were more what we're dealing thank with. thank you and i and wendy brought up this beautiful slide that i'll bring up here too so on march 23rd this year pluto went ingressed <laughs> aquarius to on the 11th it pluto has a parent retrograde into capricorn and then it stays in Capricorn, actually in October, I think October 11th, it goes direct. And then a few months later in January uh, 21st, just before, it goes into Aquarius again to stay. Well, not to stay, actually, because later in the year, it will retreat back to Capricorn for a little bit. Um, for two months. Yeah, it's not till November next year that yeah. it's in Capricorn for 20 years. <laughs> so perhaps now this is a slide that Wendy brought up. And again, it feeds from our earlier talk in March, just to review, because since then, we've experienced Pluto in Aquarius, and there's been a lot about AI that seems so shocking, but it's already making pretty quick changes. But not to get us too far off, but if maybe to relate. I know, Wendy, what were you thinking here that you wanted to? Well, I think, you know, all these things are going to be, um, you know, uh, looked at between then and between now and November next year, going back and forth. I think we're going to see a lot of things being having to be regulated, you know, from AI to cryptocurrencies, you know. When, you know, in, in 2008, when the banks went down, um, when Pluto went into Capricorn, um, and now as Pluto left Capricorn in March, you know, we have the banks go down. Same thing, regulation. The difference is, the difference is um, they're more high-tech banks, they're startup, they're cryptocurrencies, they're that sort of thing. But it's the same essence of being regulated. So we're sort of scrambling to keep the status quo. And sorry to say, but it is a big boy club. It is, it's about bringing that down. Um, it's about, you know, um, shaking up the old um, 
And, you know, all those things that just no longer, you know, they're stale, they're rotten, and Pluto takes no prisoners and it takes no hostages. So between now and November next year, all those to do with these things and regulation, even space, media on, on reporting, you know, every day we're going to see more and more and more stuff about alien skies, all this stuff, a lot of it just, you know, rubbish but um but well not necessarily it's, it's hard no, to not know necessarily. I mean, no, I, i'm no. kind of open <laughs> but it gets into the consciousness of people it gets into mm. the cultural and social psyche and you know and the good thing is what it does do it makes us look at the sky more it makes us you know think of our place in the universe more um and you know all these things we can see happening they've been they've been on the edge um, it, it, I don't. It won't be until Uranus moves into Gemini, because at the moment the rulers of Pluto and Aquarius are in Earth and Water, you know, and so they're going to be slow, but it, it will move very, very fast. Um, yeah. You know, it when it does. does, when Uranus goes into Gemini um, and Saturn, Neptune go into Aries. So this transition going into these social uh, conjunctions, which is Jupiter and and Saturn, which is every 20 years. And of course we just did the grand one for 200, but this transition, which I, we're still within going from how we operate on a material basis, moving to instead of form, but it's very powerful. It's creating the, boy, this is a big concept here, but the point is there's a lot of, what I'm saying is it's like an earthquake. There's a lot of, uh, ideas that are shocking that that take time to assimilate and and adjust to and how to reorganize but in addition to that the 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 gift of it i think is this idea of of realizing our empowerment of what we think and what we feel we create i'll leave it at that you know and that's interesting what we think and we feel and we create because you know and i'm kind of surprised by this because you'd think that's it. It's technology is going to take us over. <laughs> but if you, I mean, if we're going to go by basic significations of some of these transits, I was really surprised to see that this, when you look back to 1777 on the Pluto ingress, bam, storm and stress, which totally was a rebellion against enlightenment, rationalism, progress, you know, science, whatever. And the artists were just saying enough, we want subjective expression. And then, you, not that science stopped, and as you, you know, say, Wendy, capitalism is developing, the powers of science allow goods to be produced at a faster pace, things being able to replicate, you know, markets taking off all this. But by this point in the late 18th century, you're totally getting into romanticism. I mean, it's totally expressive. It's totally, you know, you get, you get the idea of the artist. No longer we're dealing with artisans. You're, you know, I'm not an artisan. I'm an artist. It's, you know, the totally the subjective. Um, and I also looked what was happening kind of creatively just um, on this ingress this year. And there was a guy who won the Pulitzer Prize an architect. I can't, I don't know his name, but very interested in nature, architecture and nature and really thinking about climate change, which is so interesting because again, as you get into the the late 18th into the 19th century, all the artists are really thinking about this. They're like, oh, industrialization, we want nature, you know, all this. And there was this film that won the Academy Award. I didn't see it, but everything, everywhere, all at once or something like this. So I don't know what the nature of this film would, but if it was somewhat kind of like wild and expressive, you know, maybe reckless even, I mean, not reckless, but just completely like 
you know, expressive, um, you know, those could be harbingers, at least on the creative side, you know, what, I mean, I, I, it's not like science stopped in the late 18th century, but, but I, it's just kind of surprising to me. There's so much talk about AI now where everybody's thinking about it and talking about it, but yet that one tra transit hit when Pluto ingress was totally like kind of a rebellion against, you know, technology and enlightenment and rationalism and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. Kind of interesting. Laura, I uh, well, I know we need to take a break, but I think that that's part of this back and forth with the retrograde yeah. is the AI shows up mm -hmm. and then it's headed back into Capricorn. And that's where people are going, oh, wait, no, we're not ready for this. We have to have constraints on it. Mm. Right. And so we're getting this sort of exact. back and forth of yeah. leaps and constraints and leaps yep. and constraints um, that I and think and a mixture of that energy of like, so with anything that might be extraterrestrial here in the States anyway, Congress has demanded the opening of every file the government has of anything to do, right? That's yeah. all supposed to be revealed like this summer. Legal, like that has been codified into law. It is required. That's the, that is that Capricornian energy, but that's all about this Aquarian energy, right? So it's an interesting mixture of, of using the authority of Capricorn or the cutting edge, innovative, unknown energy of Aquarius. I found we do need to take a break. And so we're closing this up because this is such a full mm. body um, whole section that we've kind of got to this point and then we'll go on with some charts. But I do love, Wendy, how you brought up Hephaestus here, who's also, that's the Greek for, um, for Vulcan who at this point has many derivative uh, associated with, with asteroids, but there is a theoretical planet, which I think later we might mention briefly. But the fact is, is that Hephaestus, and I hope I'm saying his name correctly, was the engineer, the blacksmith who created mm -hmm. so many things in mythology. And the fact here that, I mean, did the labyrinth for the minnows with the mentor and did Icarus with the wings going too close to the mm -hmm. heavens? In other words, he enabled these possibilities. And I think that's where the mythology, where now today it's being said that where this particular theoretical point is, 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 in, is helping to break those ideas allow the ideas to manifest because that's what he did he built things and like here two th I, I didn't realize some of this yeah i mean this is amazing stuff two nearly yeah. three thousand years ago this was ai and we're only now just coming to deliver it this yeah. is but it's always been in our consciousness you know my own belief is sci-fi writers create history and Hephaestus was I've one heard, of them. Yes. You know, he was a sci-fi writer yeah. as well as, a, you know. Well, we will come back. So thank you for those people that can read this. But we will continue that we have Planet Buzz with Pluto <laughs> retrograde, uh, reflective purification. And I have Daniel Beck and Wendy Stacy, Dr. Laura Tad, and myself. So we'll be right back. And thank you for listening. Thank you.
While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the period of Gemini. By leaving a cycle based on physical form, integrated through spirit, the energy of Gemini connects spirit with matter, focused on communicating and defining the external. Gemini is a mutable air sign signifying flexibility. Gemini duly focuses upon teaching and learning in order to synthesize the world one lives within. This is Martha Norwalk, every Sunday morning beginning at 9 a.m. Thanks in part to Natasha Venter at angelicclarifications.com, we cover the world of animals. This week, it's best, neuroenergetic balancing, Rasmussen Reset, and Energy Code Sunday on Animal World. Dr. Nels Rasmussen and sister Linda Rasmussen join us in the studio, and together they can help you and your animal friends with emotional, behavioral, and physical issues. Join us for Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha and enjoy the show. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. There we are. Okay, let's jump into those slides, Nathan, and whale away. Okay. So we have here Vulcan, and I have these slides, but there's tons to go ahead with. We'll get as far as we do. But Vulcan, he was a blacksmith of the gods. It's theorized. It's not an actual planet. You could look into many other associated names. But the fact is, is that looking at this, what's the purpose of even thinking about it? And interestingly, to have it drawn forward like that, the fact that he developed these far ahead ideas in mythology, well, the fact is, is that he is right between Mercury and the sun. So it's like manifesting all those ideas into thought. But the fact is, is that from what I understand on an esoteric, that means hidden idea that's not tangible, but the intangible um, symbolic way of looking at life, perhaps, is that it enforces the need to break away from the chain or material position in from materialism. Well, Gemini is exactly that. It's Castor and Pollux. I'm throwing out a lot, but the twins that have to go between the mortality and immortality is like ideally. So at any rate, it has a lot to do about values and morals. And I guess I, I'm focusing on this because Venus right now is everything about values. That's one ideal, real focus. And you will see in the chart for this retrograde that there, um, the emphasis with Venus. So I'm, I'm, but Vulcan actually as Vulcan, not, not Hephaestus, but Vulcan is going to be conjunct the new moon coming up a week later. So that is more detaching to get the esoteric spiritual 
idea. And besides that, if we really want to get far out there, and I know this is maybe overload, but we'll just bring it up. Sedna, the furthest way out there, the furthest little planet that we know about so far, that's a dwarf planet, the path of our soul destiny, very elliptical, is entering on the 15th between these two into Gemini. So thoughts abound. <laughs> and I think I've repeated pretty much what here, that it wants to penetrate through our material existence. So I will back away and say, yes, we're in this paradigm shift. And this goes back into Pluto, Capricorn, balance of power, sharing networks, decentralized. But it really gets into, when we look at the chart, thinking about law, higher and lower human law, and that word that Dan brings up, sacred divinity. So we have questions. What's the opportunity? That's what Laura had brought up. What was intended to be completed? And I will, here we are, the chart. <laughs> um, so that's true with any retrograde, right? To me, there's this sense of it's going back over something. So what did we not get the first time around that we're getting this opportunity to go back over, right? And so with it going back into Capricorn, there's something individually, depending where it falls in your chart, and collectively as a society that we didn't fully transform yet in that Capricorn archetype that we have to go back over. And like, I always think of that, you know, like sweeping as the visual of a retrograde of like, I've been sweeping the floor. Oh, and there's some stuff I missed. I've got to go back and get the rest of it. Right. And so there's something we didn't completely transform around our relationship with authority, around our relationship with control around all those Capricornian archetypes with our own, with the patriarchy, right? That's definitely part of what went through a lot of transition and transformation under that Pluto Capricorn. And so there's still some stuff in these next 18 months or so that we're working out around that and going back over what needs to be completed around that and what will, and it's still unfolding. Right. I don't think I brought this up to you briefly, Sue, on the phone the other day. I don't think it's any accident that Robert Kennedy Jr. has a 27 degree Capricorn sun and a 29 degree Capricorn Mercury. And he is running for president in this country. There right. it is. Yeah. 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 If so, you want to draw onto that for a moment, but I might. In terms of how that's going to, because I don't know, I'd be surprised if he gets in the nomination, but I can't imagine he's not influencing the conversation with how his chart plays into this ingress back into Capricorn and that it's through up through the election. Well, it is interesting because Dan's going to bring up about the Venus star points that in the past too. So we'll go back to Robert's chart. And for those people that are just listening, that's January 17th, 1954. I only have a noon chart, but he does definitely have a moon in cancer because I checked the entire day. It's going to be in cancer and this is an Aries chart, by the way, because we don't have the time. But back to the world chart. You know, let's see, where to thread, what you were talking about, what to think about. I'm just looking at this, like if we look at it as a seed thought, seed impetus of energy, it is taking 
are ideas of desire and attraction representing represented by and values represent you know what how are we attracted to our values how are we desiring the fulfillment of anything represented by venus talking in late talk as much as i can it is under great growth of what's going to feed us through pluto that opposition like awareness like we got to work with it but where's it happening i'm just going to present this and throw it out to all of you and it's also going between our past of our collective with the nodes but we're really focusing, of course, trying to integrate it towards our resourcefulness at this point of the individual, which interestingly, I think gets back to Dan's idea that even in the last 29 degrees of when it was happening in 1777, was that people rejected or they uh, rebelled, you might say, to go like, hey, wait a minute, we're... The, the the individual still counts, but here what I'm thinking is if, if the patriarchy, going back to what Laura's thinking, is within us. All these things are. It, it's like the the priest is within us. We need and we have Saturn and Pisces. It's it's like looking at the collective, which it has been ever since the ingress. So. I'll leave out thoughts and we can go forward or backwards. Oh, I think Dan, you're Dan, muted. we can't hear you. Sorry. Is that yeah, now, you no, now you're good. Yeah. Okay. So just first of all, thanks for having me. I want to give it, if you're listening to Jen Ingress for introducing me to Sue and thanks, <laughs> you know, it's great to, you know, to be on this panel, but when you had first talked about Pluto retrograde, the, the first thing that came to my mind was the, motion of the Venus star point. Um, so if, for those of you who don't know, Ariel Goodman's work um, on the Venus star point, essentially the Venus star point is the Sun-Venus conjunction that occurs, you know, fr from our standpoint here on Earth, um, geocentrically every nine and a half months. So the Venus star point um, appears to, every time it hits one of the signs, move backwards through the zodiac. So when you think of um, the, the the Venus uh, star point, um, okay, so when you think of Pluto retrograde, we're dealing with zero Aquarius back to 27 Capricorn. I was thinking, okay, when did the Venus star point hit those degrees? And I started looking back. So it was, it hit, it was a little bit off, but it hit one degree Aquarius in 80, 1982. I mean, this is the most recent one. Um, 86, it hit like 29 Capricorn, 1990, and 94. And because we're talking about like reflection here and how to move forward, um, yeah, the Challenger exploded. But it, I did some digging and, you know, Wendy, thanks for, in a way, um, your work on the AA, because I went through the annals of some of the Astrological Association of Great Britain's journals. And in 82, it was still all about like scientific astrology, Gokulan, John Addy was like, you know, we need the brute facts of Gokulan to get to divine things. And, you know, I don't want to hear about diviners gyrating and getting messages from beyond. <laughs> it was all this kind of stuff. But then by the time you get to 86, Olivia Barclay had been running around and the facsimiles of Christian astrology, they dropped in 86. That's like a huge shift <laughs> from like Gokulan, John Addy, you know, to, you know, and then in, by 1990, I was looking it up. Rob Hand wrote this thing about the proper relationship with science and astrology and how can we have form, because again, it was a Capricorn star point, 
as like a collective body of astrology without being too, in his words, Saturnine and clamped down on things. By the time you get to 94, you have Project Hindsight. So the, if we were talking about like the message or maybe the evolutionary at- intent or whatnot, I think it's how do we, especially with Pluto retrograde, how do we, as we're moving into the future also, and as we're looking and exploring the past, simultaneously moving into the future. And I, you know, you talk about um, Wendy, sci-fi writers, probably my, the ultimate for me is Ursula Le Guin. And she wrote Mm -hmm. um, The Dispossessed, which she introduces the term simultaneity, which the protagonist, he goes back to his home country to explore it, the home planet, while trying to figure out the future. And she uses this term simultaneity. And she also wrote a book in the 80s around some of these transits called Always Coming Home, which envisions a very, very far into the future society that is doesn't have all that maybe the technological trappings that we do now. So again, it's this how the again thinking of Pluto retrograde, Aquarius, the future, but moving back into Capricorn, how do we you know, structure ourselves and maybe not reinvent the wheel, um, but still move into the future as we're, you know, taking the past with us in some way, exploring the past, but still moving into the future with our, I, yeah, our human selves. What, so well presented, also correlating with what Laura is talking about. If we yeah. look at the chart, I also went down a lot of rabbit holes <laughs> with all of these conversations, you know, in pre- preparation for this. And I discovered, I looked at all the last 29 degrees, in fact, down to 27 mm. for the last four cycles. Mm. But this one really has the most connection anyway. And it's the most recent. So, well, recent it's as of 1986. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is that I thought, if if because we can reflect first of all it's the same nodes it's like a nodal return mm. and th- that has some significance mm-hmm. so there's something about us looking at the past and the present because the nodal returns for people relate to this long collective cycle that we're in with the lunar nodes it's a astrology um for those that want to learn about it more but the point is where we're heading so in this one, I have 1986 on the inside and the retrograde, because they're both 29 degrees. That's what we're looking at here. The, the um, Venus star point is that moment when the sun and Venus connect at the same degree. And for those people that don't know Ariel Goodman, it's a, lo- a, a dynamic pattern with Venus. There's a hundred year cycle. Let's just leave it at that. In this particular um, pattern between that starts at 29s and goes retrograde down to zero over a course of a hundred years. So it just started in 86. Um, yeah. 86. And it is conjunct this Pluto. And as I say, I was fascinated to see that the nodes are very similar and there's quite a bit here too, that, shows what are we reviewing what what emphasis is i mean it's emotional i think there's a lot of um well i was going to say the moon but go ahead dan did you have a thought or laura i mean uh, i was just like one of the things that jumped out to me you know particularly in looking at the nodes is that pluto's in play 
if both in yes, relation I to the nodes. And that feels very significant as part of this, right? So in 86, Pluto's conjunct the South node, we're now dealing with Pluto squaring the nodes, right? So Pluto is still mm -hmm. engaged with the nodes, yeah. which has so much to do with what is the past and what do we carry forward? And the square really calls us to integrate the two as opposed to that polarity of south node, north node, and them being almost disparate, that the square forces us to find that equilibrium, find that balance of the teeter-totter between the two archetypes. So I love that because I too noticed that Pluto was at the very root, well, or is it? No, it's not at the MC. Okay, I see. It's over actually on the cusp of the fifth house. But, okay, but the fact is, is that it is like release, changing from releasing changes of 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 resources to changing how we value things with with Venus. So, Wendy, did you have a thought? I hear you somewhere. That's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of thought. I want to hear. Well, yes. yeah, I, that's a lot. Well, I think with well, yeah. I mean, it's not sort of really what I'd be looking. You know, it's not my area of expertise, but. I just think with these connections, the same with the Venus, the same with the um, node positions, it's a visit to um, economic reform. Or when I say reform, it's more about, you know, um, yeah, much bigger than reform. It's it's sort of a bring a collapse, a collapse and a new birth of, of an economic system because there's all the all the signatures are there for that. And, you know, we're, I think when it as we see Pluto going back into Capricorn, we're going to be holding on to what we're used to. You know, in 2008, just to remind you, know, no one in the world thought the banks would go down. You know, they never thought they would. And astrologers predict, you know, it was, we predicted it. And now we're seeing, holding on to all these things and people are, you know, um, uh, well, it, it creates an instability. So hence why people like to stick to the status quo. So I think we're going to be seeing um you know trying to minimize things you know like when it, when the when the um silicon valley bank went down you know they were like it's okay no need to panic no one needs to do anything while three other banks are collapsing in the next 48 hours and the prime <laughs> minister of the uk and the prime minister of australia mm. are in san diego san diego meeting with the you know with biden to recover this, and that is what Pluto and Capricorn does. And when you've got all these other cycles that you're mixing in with the, you know, and looking at this nodal return building, I think you'll, um, yeah, you're going to see it's going to be happening on on quite, um, yeah, on on economic. It's, that's Pluto and Capricorn's realm, um, and Pluto and Aquarius doesn't really care about things like that, but Pluto and Capricorn does. So that's where I see it landing, really. Um, and it, you know, accentuates that Venus and the nodes. Um, yeah. And I mean, Pluto is square those nodes in Jupiter as well. So, yeah, we have a lot of making big beliefs, changing what is feeding it, what is really um, integrating. Laura, did you have what's percolating? Um, go ahead. I'll Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're all I, like, it's such a big yeah. topic, all this. <laughs> it one, is. Mm -hmm. One thing is, is, is a little aside, because I, I looked at it, because um, it was on another 
call that, you know, I actually ended up missing, but, but the ingress for Jupiter and Taurus, and it's interesting, it was a little bit wide, but Jupiter, um, and Venus were actually in a quintile aspect. This could be wide, but but still they re, re, essentially receive each other. And it, it was such a like growth aspect for me. When you think of like the way plants grow or whether you get a great garden or it could be like an invasive species. So it there's a lot of growth potential here creatively, um, I think, with the Jupiter ingress, because um, you're dealing with Jupiter and Venus and Venus and Cancer um, and Jupiter and Taurus. Um, so just to kind of throw that in there. Um, you know, it's true. Yeah. It's true. The, 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 other than the personal planets, which, of course, move around and yeah. rotate, they're closer. But these other ones are really all changing their right. stage setting, you might say. You know, it's, it's to have Jupiter in Taurus right now is everything. It's centralizing. Let's put some package of pattering together. Like, how are we going to interpret? And so it's language and it's also sharing because if we have all these ideas coming up of how is AI going to work appropriately? And if we look at what has been left out, well, we have all these big issues, the ocean. Hmm. I had a bunch of questions here that go ahead. Yeah, just to, I wonder what everybody thinks about this, but I feel like especially with just again, basic um, Pluto retrograde back into Capricorn and even just kind of what I was getting with some of the Venus star point work and you know sadly what we're even thinking about when the Challenger sadly exploded on the Venus star point ingress into Capricorn you're talking about the limits of technology mm-hmm. you know I just wonder if some of this stuff doesn't have the juice right now that people are saying that it does that's kind of my instinct just you know, my I, my feet, my subjective feeling would be like, oh, it's over technologies. Like, to, but just kind of looking at some of these transits, it seems like maybe it doesn't quite have the juice we might think, especially with this retrograde. I don't know. Thoughts on that? Am I? Well, I think that I mean that's an interesting th- of how much of that ingress is that. Oh, we can't let it morph and have the robots take over. So mm. we're going to put all these laws in place and that's it going back into Pluto. Like the or, play, strife and storm or storm and strife. Or storm what and you're stress. saying <laughs> is potentially it opens up a conversation about the nature of humanity. Mm. And, yes. Oh, oh, maybe kidding. we're not just ones and zeros. Like mm-hmm. you're trying to replicate with AI. Maybe mm-hmm. being human hey. has, there's a missing piece that you're not acknowledging with the a that ai that can't actually be replicated mm-hmm. well that's and true that and why that gets down to the value of why are we even here what's the purpose mm. like why do i even do this every week well it's because somehow that creative energy that wants to piece together some value that's beyond our little self of our i mean everything's within us and And then again, it gets down to the valuing of each so that we can be this decentralized network of utopia, right? (laughs) We're not there yet. (laughs) But you know, it is interesting that since the last 250 years, here England and the United States are on good terms. And so things are blending. There's so many dynamics ahead. This could go on. And thank you, Nathan, for sharing that there are playlist we thank our audience we thank 
Dr. Tad, Laura Tad, we thank Wendy Stacy of the UK Mayo School of Astrology, and we thank Dan Beck with his offline astrology. Just starting. <laughs> We're kicking ahead. <laughs> Bless Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway.